Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you and your families. Uh, Tam and I uh, are so blessed to be a part of your lives and your spiritual journey uh, as a church. We absolutely love being uh, a part of this with you guys. Uh, it has been a great year. We've been looking back over this last year of how God has been changing lives and new, new faces have been part of RVC. People have given their hearts to Jesus Christ. You know, we're really praying for an amazing 2020 for our church family, for you as an individual. Uh, next Sunday, I'll be sharing uh, about some of the promises that God desires really to do in our lives. Um, we'll be looking at a, a little prayer that Paul prayed uh, for a, a church that was like ours. And so make sure that you join us uh, next season or next week and uh, next Sunday morning. So uh, here we are, man. Can you believe that Christmas is already here? How, who is like all done with shopping? We have everybody done? Who is going to be at River Park later today? Just give a show of hands. There we go. All right, we'll all meet up at Starbucks, and we'll break out and, uh, and take care of business. This happens so fast. It's crazy. As a little kid, it's like Christmas drags on, but when, uh, when you're an adult, it just happens so fast. It comes so quickly, and again, yes, we're not always uh, prepared. Uh, I hope that this season has been a time for you to hang out with your friends and your family to do some reflecting on all that Jesus Christ means to us and why he came to this earth. Uh, it's definitely a time for us to gather with our friends. This Christmas Eve, I'll be with all of my older brothers, and so I'll be able to punch them for treating me so harshly as a kid. Uh, but I look forward to seeing that. My oldest brother is going to make a, an appearance. He uh, lives in Southern California. He's too cool to come every Christmas, and so uh, we're excited he's going to be here. For those that have little ones, man, what a blessing it is, right? Uh, and for Tam and I um, and my son, um, Austin and Whitney, who are here this morning with our sweet little baby Addison is back there. We were going to do a Simba moment. Austin, I think you're going to bring her up here. But uh, so we are super blessed. The Hall family uh, and the Ferdinandson family have welcomed um, this wonderful baby, uh, Addison, that you might not have heard that I was a grandfather, but now you know, unless you're here every single Sunday, you might have heard that. It's a season that comes and goes. The songs, we've been doing a series about the songs of Christmas, because when the songs come, right, you're at uh, Target or you're at, you know, a coffee shop, you start hearing the Christmas songs, you know that, man, Christmas is around the corner. Something else that also lets us know that Christmas is around the corner is the little wish list that you write, right? Uh, how many of your kids have emailed you, texted you, and said, hey, just in case you're wondering, these are some of the things that we would like. I used to drop little hints uh, to my grandmother, like, hey, grandma would like a bike, uh, like that for Christmas, or maybe even Santa letters. I was reading about some of the Santa letters uh, this last week online, uh, some very real Santa letters that went out. Um, maybe some reflect some of your own heart's desire as well. One says, Dear Santa, please bring me a big fat bank account and a slim waist. Please don't mix these two up like you did last year. Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. This was a real one. Dear Santa Claus, spelled C-L-A-W-S, I don't think our baby brother should have presents this year. He's hurting us, and he said you're trash. <laughs> so think about giving him presents from a nice boy, Thomas. This was a real one as well. I want to order a french fries, a computer, and a chicken nugget. <laughs> 
Like, that's, does that sound awesome about right now? Like a new computer and some french fries and a chicken nugget or two. And then there's two boys that uh, spent the night with their grandmother right before uh, Christmas time. And uh, one of the boys got down on his knees and he began to pray at the top of his lungs. I want a bicycle. I want a bicycle. I want a bicycle. And his brother says, man, what are you doing? God isn't deaf. He says, I know, but grandma is. And so, you know, the songs of Christmas, we had some fun on our social media posts about, you know, like the, the good, the bad, the ugly songs at Christmas uh, has playing on the radio or that people are playing on the radio. But the, the greatest songs that we read about or we, we actually had heard sung, we read in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, it's in chapter 2 where we're going to actually spend a little bit of time this morning, the Gospel of Luke, where we are continuing and actually finishing our series this morning. We've been doing it for the last three weeks. There's four songs, the songs of Christmas that we find in the story uh, of, of the Gospel of Luke. And this last one is the Song of the Angels. The angel's song is third up on the playlist. And so we'll read beginning in verse 8, as Fuego had mentioned earlier this morning, and we sang about. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds at the moment that Christ had been born, uh, shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This third and final song in our, our series that we're doing is, was the shortest of the songs. We read about Mary's song. Mary, the, the, it was Mary's Magnificat, which means to magnify in Latin. We read about Zacharias last week. And here we see the angel song. And prior to the actual singing that the angels, uh, as the anthem went out about glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who God's favor has rested upon, he gave them a little bit of this information about the, the, really the greatest birth announcement ever. As these angels popped into the scene, you imagine it was a, a cold night and there's the shepherds out in the fields and they're, you know, of course the sheep are making noise and all of a sudden it's, you know, pitch black outside, outside of beyond the stars and then, boom, this angel appears. And of course it would bring fear to those shepherds even though they were, you know, uh, they could handle their own and they were tough and they certainly had this moment of fear. And the angel said, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. The time had finally arrived. The time that God had been promising from the beginning of creation. That one day he would send a remedy for humanity's problem. And that problem was sin. He says, this is the moment that it has happened. The promise has finally arrived. The Son of God has been born. And this is news of great joy that's to be for all the people. The angels proclaim good news that brings great joy to everyone. A Savior has been born to meet humankind's greatest need. 
And the angel let us know who he was. This is Christ the Lord. He's the promised one. He's the ruler over all things. A savior had been born, not a judge, not a politician, not a soldier or a reformer, but a savior, again, to meet our greatest needs. We read in Scripture and uh, the, in, in the prophecies in Isaiah, and we read the prophet Micah, we learn about the, the nature, the true nature of this child that, that was born. This was the second person of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have always existed. But 2,000 years ago, the Son left heaven and it was, was born as a human being. This infinite, omnipotent God became a baby human. The infinite one became an infant. Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Isaiah centuries before talks about this Messiah that was to be born. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us. And the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This baby boy was the, the son that was given, and he was also the child that was born, speaking of the, the dual nature of who Jesus was. He was a human being. He lived like you and I. He suffered the way you and I suffer. He, he was tempted in the same ways that you and I are tempted in, yet he was without sin. But this was also the Son of God. He was fully God and fully man, wrapped up, you know, eight pounds, six ounces, we have no idea. Wrapped up in the swaddling cloth. And here for one purpose, to save humanity. The angel made it personal. Isaiah says, for unto us a, a child is born. And the angel let him know, this, the shepherds, for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. This message was given to the outcasts of society. This was not like the group of people that you would have imagined that, that would have heard the first announcement that uh, the Son of God was born. It wasn't the religious leaders or the Pharisees or the scribes. or It wasn't the, the, the leaders of the Roman Empire. It wasn't Herod. It was these shepherds that were treated, really, they were the outcasts of society. They were sort of the, the garbage collectors of our day, right? We all appreciate all that they do, but it's not something that you and, you and I like, think about, you know what I mean? You just, just know that they get a job done. And that's the way it was for a shepherd. In fact, these shepherds, because of the nature of their job, they were unclean. They were unable to go to the temple and to worship. And yet, they probably were actually overseeing and raising the very lambs that would be used by the priests for the sacrifices in the temple. Fitting, isn't it, that the good shepherd who said he came to lay his life down for the sheep and the one who John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world would reveal himself first that he was born to a group of shepherds who are overseeing some sheep. It sends a message that this child is a savior for all people. For every single human being that's ever lived, the savior was born. I love what John 3.16 says, for God so loved the what? The world. He's not speaking of the, the world, this, you know, the, the everything in our physical world, He's speaking of the human beings that populate this world. For God so loved every single human being that has ever lived or ever will live on this planet. He so loved that group of people that was lost in sin 
that he gave his only son, and that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. The song begins, I would imagine, they're freaked out a little bit, right? Okay, that's a, that's a big old strong angel. And then another one pops up, and then another one pops up, and then the, the, the scripture lets us know that there are perhaps thousands that had gathered. This angelic choir, not a note missed in this song. And they begin to cry out, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, those who have received God's favor. His birth would bring true peace to the world. You think about all the different songs that have been sung about you know, the attempt to bring peace in the world, the song by, uh, written by John Legend, Imagine, or the song by the birds, you know, turn, turn, turn. All these songs in the 60s, you know, trying to say, like, man, let's give peace a chance. There was no peace during this time when Christ was born. I imagine the shepherds like going, peace on earth? Are you kidding? And in our day, in our generation, in the generations that have come before us, anything but peace. So what is this angel proclaiming when he says there could be peace? Seems like true peace is elusive to humanity. Where do you find it? Well, here we find in one Bible verse, in, in verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those of whom his favor rests. God's peace is given to those who are the recipients of God's favor or goodwill. His, his favor extends to those who've done nothing to deserve it, it's a God who's gracious to give that kind of peace to those who can't do anything to deserve it. All the attempts in our lifetime, right, to try to bring about peace, all the treaties that were made and broken, all the things that human beings even do to try to find some kind of inner peace, you know what I mean? Like some inner, remember that commercial years back? Calgon, take it away. Like, just a bath, lady, it's not going to fix it. You still got kids, and a husband, and a job, right? Bills. All of those attempts have failed because peace can only be found in this baby boy and the mission that he would accomplish is what would bring true peace. So through this child, through this child is where human beings can find true peace. What, what does that peace look like? Well, first of all, it looks like this, the greatest need you and I have is we need peace with God. That's what the mission that Jesus would fulfill, number one, is that we can have peace with God. Every one of us has been born into a world that is opposed to him and is in rebellion to him. And guess what? You and I are a part of that rebellion. Every one of us was born with this condition called sin. Your little ones, the little messiahs that were up here earlier, you know what I mean? They can do no wrong. All of them we're born sinners. You don't, teach, you don't teach a kid how to lie. I had three boys, right? Hey, did you hit your brother? No. Well, how'd that mark, you know, mysteriously show up? <laughs> you know what I mean? You might learn how to lie better growing up, but you didn't teach a child how to lie. It's within us. It's a part of our nature. We're sinners from birth. And all of us are a part of that rebellion against God. All have sinned, the Bible says. We've all broken God's commands. If not the letter of the command, thou shalt not murder, we've committed the, the, the spirit of the command, thou shalt not hate, have hatred in our hearts. 
Religion is just that attempt that humanity has come up with to try to fix that problem. The problem is, is that religion can't save a person. And neither can trying harder. All of the attempts of religion, religion is really just human beings' attempt to try to reach a holy God. You know what that angel's message was 2,000 years ago, that, that, that third song in our playlist, was that religion can't save you, but a Savior can. And you can have peace with God because of what the mission of this Savior is going to do. It was to this world that Jesus came to be the Savior and to bring peace. And the baby grew up. Jesus grew up to be a man who lived a life that none of us could ever live. And he began his ministry when he was 30 years old. He began to teach about the kingdom of God, ultimately letting us know that he came for one purpose, to go to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus lived a life none of us could ever live. He lived a perfect life because he was not only fully human, but he was also fully God. He was without sin. And that's how he was able to be the only person who could be that substitute sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world. See, you and I had a, a debt, a mountain of debt. You and I were spiritually bankrupt. And Jesus Christ came to pay that debt when he went to the cross. Christmas is always tied to the story of Easter because it's not the life of Jesus that saves us. It's not the teachings of Jesus that save us. It's actually his death, his sacrificial death that he took for you and for me. The angel's message of peace was the greatest news a person could ever hear. You and I can have a right relationship with God. You remember the story? Maybe you're familiar with it in the Gospel of Mark. We read about a group of buddies that have a friend who's paralyzed. Jesus is teaching. They know that there's something unique about this new teacher in their community. And, and, and they went into the house, and the house is just packed out with people. So they take their paralyzed friend, and they get, hoist him up on the roof. Imagine the scene, right? They hoist him up on the roof, ropes, I have no idea. And, uh, and they start digging through the tile roof, and they, they just like sort of like lower him down right where Jesus was teaching. Can you imagine it's like... You guys are like going, okay, trying to pay attention to what Gordon is saying right now, but there's some dude being hoisted down right in front of Gordon right now, and how come he's not saying anything about it, right? Like, hey, don't mind this, guys. It's just a 180-pound you know, dude dropping down right before my feet right here. Jesus looked at the man and said, son, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if all those guys are like going, you mean we got to drag him back up here? Like we were hoping for something bigger than that. That's the biggest miracle that man had ever heard. You know, we don't read, but I wonder if tears started streaming down his face because it wasn't the fact that he was crippled physically as that he knew he had something wrong internally and spiritually. Son, your sins are forgiven. Everyone's like, who can forgive sins except for God alone? And Jesus says, so that you know the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins, he looks at the man and says, hey, take up your mat and walk. Other guys at the top are like, thank you, Jesus. That's what we were hoping for. The greatest miracle in that room was the gift of forgiveness that was given to him. Why? Because that's our greatest need. It was Joseph who met with an angel. The angel's like, hey, man, I know Mary told you that she's pregnant, and it's uh, kind of hard for you to understand that because she's a virgin, but it's real. This is a God thing, and you need to marry her, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why would they give him the name Jesus? Yehoshua. It was a common name in Israel because it was named after one of their heroes, Joshua. 
But the name literally means God is salvation. And the angel finished off by saying, for he shall save his people from their sins. Peace on earth begins first with you and I having peace with God and having a right relationship with him. Paul tells us in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by faith, by believing, by trusting in him, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. A perfect and holy God and sinners like you and I can now be in a right relationship and a relationship restored. That's what Christmas is all about. We say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's to make people feel guilty for making it all commercialized, right? <laughs> you know, or like, because you didn't buy him a good gift. Well, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. Do a little more prep next year, right? The reality is, human beings are the reason for the season. God became a man 2,000 years ago for human beings. He's not lonely in heaven. Man, it's kind of lonely, this trinity, right? The triune God, perfect harmony. No need. How can you, ever, how can you be God and have a need? It was for God so loved us. You're the reason for the season. That God loved you so much, he didn't want you to spend eternity separated from him forever. He wanted you to experience eternal life and have your sins removed and forgiven. It means literally that me and God are all right now. You know what I mean? Like, hey, all of our differences have been worked out because he went to the cross and paid for my sins. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he literally made peace possible with God. Peace that God gives is the peace that comes at salvation and restoration of a relationship that was broken because of our sin. And the only way for a person to have peace with God is to confess their sins and to put their faith in him. And they're no longer enemies of God. They're adopted as his children, his sons and his daughters. This peace that we get to have with God. Here's a secondary part of this peace on earth to those whom God's favor rests. Is that you get a peace within. We can have peace within our hearts. You might have heard it said that it's called the, the peace of God. We have peace with God, but then that opens the door for you and I to have peace within us. That, that kind of peace that can sort of override difficulties in life, troubles in life. Peace defined as harmony and freedom of mind from worry. The angel's song reveals that God desires for you and I to have that kind of peace and own it on a regular you think about our lives as even Christians, believers, people that believe what this Bible says, right? Man, we're hurried, we're stressed. Any overwhelmed folks this morning? Just the whole house, I guess. <laughs> you just get overwhelmed with life. We don't live with this peaceful kind of life that, you know, our ancestors, you know, hundreds of years ago could sort of like walk down a, a, a pathway in nature. You know what I mean? Sort of chill out a little bit before you get back to the home farm, you know what I mean? And, and fix the fence. I mean, these sort of 
man, that, I mean, I like electricity and all that kind of stuff, but man, we're just stressed out. Do you ever have, you ever have that feeling that your phone is buzzing and you don't have a phone in your pocket? Right? That's like a condition. It's not healthy, I think. It's like, mm, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing at all. It's your nervous system has created a fake phone in your pocket. That's what's going on. <laughs> we get distracted and we have a lack of inner peace. I love that the message of the angels it speaks to our greatest need, man. We need peace with God. But guess what? I can be a forgiven man and lack an inner peace on a daily basis. And here the angel says, peace is available within, within our hearts. I start stressing, I start complaining, and peace is missing from my life. Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. Speaking to his, his disturbed disciples as they're thinking about he's getting ready, he says, I'm going to heaven, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and then I'll be no more. The Spirit of God's going to come. And they started worrying and stressing, and like, what are we going to do? And he says, this peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give, you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Paul tells us in that same book I read earlier, Philippians chapter 4, he says to, to worry about nothing, pray about everything with thanksgiving. And then he says in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. Another way of looking at it is that, is that it goes around our understanding. You don't have to figure it out to receive God's peace. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This word that the, the Jewish community uses and did use, and Paul uses it in a lot of his letters, shalom, peace. It, it, it means uh, much more than a truce in battles of life. It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, completeness. Maybe this morning you're fearing 2020, wondering what life's going to be like as we turn over to another year. Stressed out about you know, the things that you and I can't figure out on our own. Somehow God can go around that and give you a peace that passes understanding that guards your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How does he do it? It's a gift. I want the kind of peace where Jesus takes all my problems away. How about you? Like I want the kind of peace where it's just like my life is going exactly as I planned. How did he not hear that prayer of mine? You know what I mean? Lord, Lord, this is what I would like 2020 to look like. Have you had that conversation with the Lord? And you just wonder if the Lord's just going, oh, child. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, God wants to hook you up. But guess what? You got to go through some hard times to grow as a human being. It's hard to have peace during those times. And yet God says, I'll give you peace, and it's going to go around your understanding. You don't have to figure it all out. This Christmas, <clears throat> be reminded that peace within your hearts in 2020, it's not connected to a life of ease or without trouble. It's ours by recognizing his presence in our lives brings us peace. Emmanuel, we sing. It literally means God with us or with us as God. He promises to come and be your companion. And that companionship on a regular basis through time and his word and prayer, it gives you and I the ability to have that kind of peace when things aren't going our way. Peace on earth. 
to those who've received God's favor. It means you and I learn how to give what troubles us over to the Lord. As Paul said, worry about nothing, pray about everything. That should be a daily practice. I love what Peter says. He says, cast all your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. All your cares upon the Lord. Literally, roll them off of your back if you're carrying a big burden around this morning. And guess what? That big old boulder, it tries to roll back on your back when you go to sleep at night. If you woke up, you're like, man, I still feel burdened. Roll it off again. Roll it off again. Cast all your burdens on the Lord, for he cares for you. It means enjoying his friendship. You know, people that have Jesus at the core and center of their life, they're the ones that experience that kind of peace, that inner peace that is without that kind of drama. What is unsettling in your heart this morning? What has you stirred up and stressed? What takes it away from me is when I'm not trusting the Lord or I'm not putting him at that core center of my life where he's my number one pursuit. That's when that lack of peace starts emerging in my own life. Lord, I'm not trusting you. God, I'm not, my heart's devotion, it's, it's, it's chasing something else and God has got to get back to you. That's where you keep that, that place of enjoying that peace. The angel's song, peace on earth, peace on earth, peace with God, peace within our own hearts. Here's a third and, and, and final way that we experience peace on earth. Is peace in relationships. We can have peace with others. I love the song, God and sinners reconciled, but guess what? Because of the gospel, sinners and sinners can be reconciled. Show of hands. No, we're not going to do a show of hands. How many of you guys are going to have to see somebody in the next week or something? No, I'm just kidding. When Jesus comes into our lives, it makes everything different, including relationships, and he has the ability to bring reconciliation with others. Through Jesus Christ, living inside of me, living inside of you, you can learn to humble yourself. I can learn to humble myself. We can lay our pride down. We, we can extend the grace that God has given to us. He's welcomed us into his family, though we have broken his commands and dishonored him. You and I have that same ability that allows the gospel to bring restoration. It might not happen for every relationship that you have, but it certainly is possible to be reconciled and allow peace to happen with others. There's so much tension in our world, so much division in our world, and yet the gospel, it brings people together. I was reading this week in my devotions, uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, it says that there was a multitude of human beings from every nation and every tribe and every language gathered around the throne, worshiping God. And we're all like, are they singing in English? Everyone speaks English in heaven, Right? Every language is represented there. Because God's gift of salvation was for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every person, every category of sinners on this planet. Jesus came to save. That means that you and I can actually experience some of that harmony and reconciliation here in our day, before we get to heaven. 
The peace of God, it creates unity, a loving community, servanthood. Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. This world is filled with conflict. We may not be able to bring reconciliation to all who are in conflict, but we can start with us. We can start with maybe those that we aren't at peace with. If you allow the peace of God to rule your heart, you'll be in a place to be at peace with others as the gospel transforms you calls you and I to forgive those who've wronged us, to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness of others, or just, in the name of Jesus, just let some stuff go. Right? Like just, uh, can you imagine if you and I could just graciously let stuff go, how that alone would create the kind of opportunity for relational harmony to take place? Maybe there's something you're holding on to right now. Like, oh man, oh, they did this and they did that. And that's why I'm going to be distant from like, man, the gospel might call you to, bring, be, to be reconciled. In fact, the gospel does call you to be reconciled. There's a verse in the Bible where Jesus said, if you show up to the altar to give your gift to the Lord and you remember that someone has something against you, he didn't say, pray for that dirty, rotten sinner that their hearts would be repentive. He says, leave your gift. Take off. Go fix it, right? And then come back and offer your gift. Boys and I, Mom, Cam and I would go to Disneyland, the most ironic, happiest place on earth. <laughs> happiest place on earth. Get your bill, you're just like, you know, I don't feel that happiness right now. I don't feel so happy. <laughs> There'd be a little tension, you know, in the minivan. That's right. We had a minivan, and I drove a minivan. Captain, it was awesome. Captain seats in the middle, created some distance from the arms swinging, you know, and, you know, whatever. Brothers are brothers, right? And, uh, man, we pull over, like, in, in, in Parlier. And they're like, hey, this ain't Disney. I'm like, no, 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 we're not going. We're, we're going home right now. Let you guys get some stuff figured out. You know what I mean? Like, man, real quickly, they're singing zippity-doo-dah, and then boom, we are back on the 99, heading to Disneyland. I don't know if you got a busted relationship this morning that the Holy Spirit just now is saying, hey, I want to bring peace, and I want to use you to bring that peace. But if I were you, I would actually take a note and listen to what the Spirit of God would be speaking to us right now, take a step of faith and go in that direction. Jesus does miracles. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to let somebody go. Maybe you have an ex-spouse in your life that just is difficult. And your bickering and your negativity is overflowing on your kids who you mutually love. I'm going to tell you, work it out. This ain't going to go well for you when those kids turn 18 and say, you know what? Negative and negative. I'm going to carve out my own new life. You figure it out. And you have peace where Jesus will bring peace. That's the amazing thing about our, the arrival of our Savior. He came to bring forgiveness to the sinner, all of us, to make peace with God available, and also to bring healing to broken relationships. Peace in our hearts and peace with others. Jesus' arrival brings with it that promise, as the angels proclaimed. 
peace on earth. Peace on earth. Peace with others. Peace within. Maybe today you need some prayer. We have teams every single week that are on each side of the room ready to pray for you. Maybe you've got a relationship. Hey, would you pray for this relationship? We'd really love to see God do a work in that relationship. Maybe cast those burdens onto him today. If you have a turmoil in your heart, and we're singing about peace on earth, grab a hold of it. Trust God. God, I'm going to believe you at your word that you're going to give me peace when I feel so much turmoil. Let the Lord give you that kind of peace. Maybe today's a day where you need to get some things right with God. You need to have that relationship with him made right. Peace with God in your life. Until you get right with God, you will never experience true peace. The angel tells us that he is Christ the Lord. It means he's come to rule in our lives. He has a claim on our lives. And he gives peace to those who allow Jesus to be Lord of their lives. Maybe today you need to be like the shepherds. Let us go and see what the Lord has has spoken to us. And believed, by the way. The wise men that came about 18 months later in the book of Matthew, they came to worship this newborn king because they believed and they recognized that he was the Lord of all creation. Maybe that's you this morning. Will you accept him like the shepherds and believe, the wise men who believed? Or will you be like Herod and reject him and try to destroy him out of your life? This newborn baby is Lord. My encouragement to you is to let him Be the Lord of your life. He'll guide you on the right paths in life. Let him call the shots in your life. Paul used to open with with his letters to people. He would use these two words. He would use grace and peace. But grace always comes before peace. Because unless you receive God's grace in your life, forgiveness, his mercy, you'll never be at peace with him, and nor will you ever receive the peace that God promises to give. You have to experience the grace of God and the forgiveness of your sins before that peace comes. If you don't have it today, can I, can I encourage you? Tell God this morning that you're ready to surrender to him. Tell God this morning that you want his gift of peace with him, forgiveness in your life, the promise and the hope of eternal life that one day when you take your last breath on this planet, that you'll spend eternity with God in heaven because of not your perfection and not your religiousness, but because of your faith in a Savior who came 2,000 years ago to bring true peace. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love, your grace, your goodness, Lord. And we thank you so much for these songs that we've been reading about in the Gospel of Luke. Lord, this one revealing to us that, Lord, you want to bring peace in our lives, God. Thank you for that promise that we're okay. You took care of my sins. You covered my my sin, my guilt, my shame. You've cleaned me up, Lord. You clean all of your children up. You put them on the right path. You give them peace in their hearts. It goes around understanding. You give us peace where we can be a part of that healing that you do in this world. 